To all you doubters out there who are saying, what is Pete doing with his life? Wasting his time on Thursday nights, sitting around, talking about things and putting it out there on the internet for nothing, for, for nothing at all. What are you, you're not going to make any money at this. You're not kidding. I've heard a number of people, even when we were in Bristol, who said, Pete, if you're going to try to say that you're making money at this stuff, you're, you're, you're kidding. A ki- you can't kid me. You can't kid a kidder. That's what I think Mother Hen even said to me. She said, you're not making any money at podcasts. And I'm like, well, you're right. You know, I made $8 from VGs. I don't count that. But now, today, you guys can all go fuck yourself. <laughs> because now I am, a, I am making some serious coin. I'm getting a check from Amazon. Amazon. From Amazon.ca. The They're giving time. me a big time check. And you sons of bitches that doubted me, you can all just go and eat your hat. <laughs> That's what I say. You can eat your hat. Let's hear the drum roll. I'll tell you what the heck I'm all about here. Ready? I have made, I'm getting a check for $148.21. Yeah. And that check's coming right to my mailbox. Stay tuned on Instagram to see the picture. Hit it, Mikey. Let's get this show going. of a stumble a bit of a yeah, stumble I was thinking about something else there <laughs> welcome to live from the dutch hall everybody i'm your host pete van dyke and thank you everyone for coming back once again for another week at the dutch hall uh today's episode is entitled the dutch hall chuckle hut and it's going to be uh kind of revisiting our our big uh, big event that we went to on the weekend the uh yuck yucks of firefighters of burford ontario's fundraiser uh that involved some comedians from Yuck Yucks, a touring touring group from Yuck Yucks that came were nice enough to come to to Burford to entertain us um, yokels, right? Us, yokels. Us rural folk. Is that what you call a local? What's a yokel? A local? Yeah, it's like a yokel local. It's like a, I don't know. <laughs> I like it. I don't know. You know what I noticed? That I want to tell to paint a picture of the people at home today. There's not often a lot of people have a vision of country life, and they think of it as being like. Uh, you know, it's it's like a you know, all a bunch of inbred you know like people wearing <laughs> bib overalls and and uh, barefoot with a uh, piece of straw sticking out of their mouth. And, you know, yicky yicky. Yeah, yeehaw. Yeehaw type of stuff. And they also think, I imagine that it stinks down here like manure. You know, we get that reputation. But we're we're in Norfolk County. We're in the in the home of horticulture for the most part. We yeah. have mostly plants growing in the ground. So we, we, we have the best of both worlds. We have the beautiful open spaces and scenery of nice plants growing in the field. Mm-hmm. But we also have uh, the smell of manure happens very rarely. It's only usually in spring and fall, yeah, right? Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, so you get it for a couple of days. And today I noticed in the beautiful state here in Pine Grove, Ontario, yeah. a nice waft of manure. Ah. And I got to tell you, you know, 
if it was a day where you just, this was your only day visiting my house and you'd say, I like Pete's house, but it stinks like uh, manure, right? <laughs> but it's only like once or twice a year. I personally like it because yeah. I know where I am. I know stuff's going on. It's springtime. You know, people are getting stuff done. Like, I think that's, when I smell manure, I'm always like, oh, you know, who's doing it? Like, who's, who's yeah, what's happening here? What's happening? Smell it every day in Toronto, huh? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. You walk <laughs> over breathes. a sewer grate. <laughs> I, I, every time I'm ever in the city, I'm walking down the street and I get caught with that one mouthful of like sewage that just makes you gag. You know what I mean? God, I thought I was the only one. And I don't see it coming. I'm just walking down the street and all of a sudden, oh God, what the? It's a hot steam coming out. It's eh? like a million different culture shit at one time in my mouth. <laughs> Some curry in that one. <laughs> what was that? There's something I can't even pinpoint. That's a spice I've never even heard of. Butter? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. So, yeah, I would say I would take the smell of manure over that any day because I'm more used to it, eh? Oh, like yeah, it, you only get it one day. Maybe, yeah, for one, two days a year. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Things are rolling around here. You remember that guy? There was a story of the guy. We don't have to get into his name, but there was a story of a guy in uh, who delivered manure to the farmers around here. Just loved his job. Do you remember it? No, I don't. There was a story. I think my cousin tells it where... Um, <laughs> He loved manure so much, he would dump the thing of manure and then he would climb up in the truck and he would like scoop it out with his hands. Like the manure gets stuck in the corners, like yeah, once yeah. you dump it and he'd scoop it out with his hands and he'd slide down the... <laughs> like Jim Carrey from uh, the cable guy or whatever and he's on the on the satellite dish. Yeah, he's like sitting there just down the manure, like the dump truck dumps the pile of shit and then he would climb up and then uh, <laughs> scoop out the stuff with his hands and then slide down his whole back of his coveralls and stuff just covered in shit and he's the guy's just enjoying his day he's having a great great time eh fresh yeah and then he'd ask you for a ride <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that last part's true but i remember a story somewhere i gotta have the person that told me that story on one time so he can tell it better it. better than i did Sounds right Some you never heard of a guy love just love love their job yeah love i always job. look at a guy like that and i really i really envy him you know like that's a, that's great that you can like uh, unload shit all day long and just love it. Love you know, it, yeah. go home at night, sleep well. You got nothing to worry about. You had a hard day's work. Yeah. You know, you enjoy that beer when you get home. That's all. I just load, unloaded a whole bunch of shit. Good shit too. Like he loved the shit. He could talk to you about. Got a good load today. Oh, this is good stuff. You can even just smell the nitrogen in that one. It's fresh. <laughs> and that's good. Well, you're gonna get another. You're gonna get another 500 pounds the acre. Yeah. Just on that alone. A lot of end units in there. <laughs> yeah. You're actually getting a bargain here. <laughs> yeah, that's good shit. I've you know some of that shit's not good. It's mostly straw. This stuff is shit. <laughs> These cows I had to go. Those strings, all good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I don't know how we got onto shit, but anyways, we went to the. Uh, it always goes that way. <laughs> yeah. We went to the, uh, the the event that they put on in Burford, and it was actually the former co-host of our show, Dave Charters, the Rooster. For those of you who've been following the program, would know my former co-host, Dave Charters, who's walked off the show for the second time. And uh, this time for the Wilcox Bristol incident, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a real shame. So, anyways, to Charters, uh, he was nice enough to say that our professional relationships around life in the Dutch Hall shouldn't get in the way of our personal relationships. So he's he's agreed. He he agreed to. Uh, he asked if we want to come to this event. It was in his hometown of Burford, Ontario. Oh, very nice. Right? So, we're like, oh, we have a local. We have a local guide, Charters, right? <laughs> To take us into the 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 depths of Burford, the metropolis of yeah. Burford. Yeah, to see the see the rural like he's a he could take take us to the seedier parts of town, which in this case was the agricultural building, I think, <laughs> at the in Burford. So he brought us there, and we felt safe because we had a local at our table, 
And we sat down. He, he sat us down in the front row. Eh? He, yeah. he said, hey, Pete, he sends me a text. He's like, Pete, do you want to be in the front row or second from front row? And I said, second. You know, like, I don't want to be in the front row. I just got a haircut today. They're going to tear me to shreds. I'm not even happy with it, you know? Like, it's I think I look ridiculous. There's no way that I'm going to be standing there front row to have someone else point out the fact that I'm obviously look like an idiot with my new haircut, right? I'm, a, I'm not happy with the front row. But anyways, it turns out it was a blessing in disguise. It worked out great. They put us like, uh, I don't know what it'd be, left of stage, you know? And uh, we were uh, front row, but not center stage. So that we we weren't the, the being picked on or whatever. And as it turns out, we were the only well-behaved people in the whole place. Yeah. So that we... They, hey, Burford, that's unbelievable. <laughs> well, it was set up, it was set up like a buck and dough. Like it was, oh. uh, it was an old ag hall and they had, you know, you bought tickets and bought beers and then... They had a like a buffet lunch afterwards, like a buffet oh, supper, really? and then they had uh, dancing afterwards. <laughs> really? And there was a lot of the dance floor was full like immediately, like so the people were ready to dance. Like they they a lot of people came there to dance. They couldn't wait for that. To drink party. drink beer and do the boot scooting boogie. Maybe a nice two step. Right? Yeah, whatever they're gonna do, they're gonna do some sort of some sort of like uh, country dance. They like the country music. I, I'm not a big fan of it, but the but they they liked it and they all seemed like they're having a great time. For me, I was going for the comedians. I thought the comedians were the show. Mm -hmm. It was on a ticket. It said yuck yucks. I thought that was the thing. Yuck yucks. Yuck yucks. Do you think if yuck yucks had to like start today, that they would choose the name yuck yucks? Mm. Seems a little hack, doesn't it? Yuck yucks. It's like the old, you know, it's like yeah, a cheesy name. It's too easy almost. Yeah. I don't yeah. like when they do stuff like that. I don't like when they do like. They're not the, beating around the bush at all. Like, you know what you're getting at here. Yeah. But it seems kind of like suspendersy and like chuckle yeah. you know that's the chuckle hut the dutch hall chuckle hut that sort of thing right like the people are just kind of they're like it's gonna be really it's gonna be a great laugh it's zany you know <laughs> <laughs> i think that is a club too zanies yeah yeah and they have like the fun the funny bone and like you know the, not the, to be confused with the zanzi bar zanzi bar that's a, a different kind of place the, yeah the, the, i wouldn't know but i so i've heard there's still comedy in there a, <laughs> yeah, different kind. There's a lot of tragedy as well. Yeah. A lot of tragedy. I remember, you know, the worst part about going, like, I don't, uh, of course, I'm a married married man. I never do this stuff anymore. Back in the day when strip clubs weren't homes of prostitution like they are today, <laughs> they they would, you'd go in the back room for a dance, and that's what it was. It was a dance and a tease, you know, and there was nothing you could pay for more. That was it. You'd go there to get frustrated, you know, with some girl that is kind of grosses you out anyway most of the time and you get home and you're you're frustrated and, and, uh, and you'd have to uh perhaps pump off <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it'd take oh that's a question i should ask that guy the anyway the community that we had on today we have a great guest on today's show i should introduce that's our great, great guest that we have coming up later in the show and then it goes in with the story of burfer when we went there he's he was the um the middle act on the pro on the program there's an mc there was uh i guess an opening act and then there was the closer Right. This is the opening act, who is my favorite act of the evening, and made me laugh harder than anyone else. So I, I thought if I'm going to get someone else's opinion on what went down that night, I think I should go to that guy because I, I liked his work and I thought he would, uh, he would give us some good insight on the evening. And that's uh, Anthony uh, Malekis. Anthony Malekis is going to be on the show later on. Let's hear it for Anthony. All right, Anthony. Yeah. It was a. 
Interesting. It was our first phone in phone in uh, interview that we did, so uh, it worked pretty good. The technology got oh, the better of me at the beginning, oh, of but course. then uh, but then I ended up uh, getting a hold of it by the end. And at the end, he did uh, get paying some compliments. It was a good interview. So we will get to Anthony later on in the show. But before that, we have to set up the evening. So we get to Burford, and uh, we're in the. We had a nice. Uh, uh, Dave was nice enough to have us to his house. You know, he even let your wife in the house, Paul. Yeah. First time ever. She used to have to wait in the car. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> she loves your cigarettes. She said that was the the first. Anyway, so she went to Dave's. Dave let us all inside. We let everybody in. Yeah, right inside. Wow. We, we got to go in, and then uh, and he was a great host, gracious host, running around and being very uh, uh, hospitable, offering uh, beverages and such. Nice of him. And uh, I could see that Dave had a long day at work too, so he was re- ready to let loose, eh? And uh, he was without his wife. Oh. So also, this is a, this is an indication that if there's going to be the old school. Uh, you know, Pollock Dave Charters, that, <laughs> you know, not the uh, polished master of industry that he is today, okay. you know, but the uh, the old school, like, uh, drunk Pollock <laughs> that we all know and love. Charters could come out that night, eh? But, but he seemed to hold it together. He's uh, being a responsible father and, uh, and a very gracious host at the beginning of the night, right? But I could see he was on the martinis. He was on the martinis. Oh, went, right? hard, went on the hard stuff. Right. Sorry, no, that way. I had one with him myself. And then we uh, went to the, so we go to the comedy show. We get parked at this uh, in the front. We get our drink tickets. We're uh, all set up, having a few drinks. And we have, uh, I got, we have my whole family, my all my brothers and sisters and their spouses, my parents, my aunt and uncle, Dave, uh, my cousin and her husband are there. Really you know, nice. It's a, it's nice a, gathering. Oh, a beautiful gathering of Van Dykes. It was, uh, it was a real special moment. My parents' 44th wedding anniversary, oh. right? 44. Let's hear it for That's my awesome. parents. Happy anniversary, mom and pop. Happy anniversary. I should give them a kiss for that one. I'll give them a kiss for that one. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, anyways, we're at the, uh, so we bring them to this thing. Uh, opener, uh, it's mostly just, it seems like a regular event. It's no big deal. Then the, the fireman comes out, the original fireman comes out. And he's like trying to set it up for what the evening is going to be all about. And he's got a couple of things that I think he thinks are funny that he's going to try to put out there, but they go over like totally dead. Like let, <laughs> this let, is right off the bat. Lead balloon. Well, this guy's not a professional at right. all. He's just trying to say, we got the guys from Yuck Yucks here, but he had a couple of things that he thought were funny. You could see, but he paused. I'll try this out. And no, there was no <laughs> laughter. I like that part myself, but that that was <laughs> that was the first guy, and then the MC came out and he had a shaky start getting the attention of everyone, but eventually got a hold of it, and his stuff was, uh, I don't know, fairly like um, uh, I hate to judge people, but it it was like fairly like standard stuff, you know. Yeah, he dealt with the crowd, right? Yeah, yeah, and and uh, so he was okay. He was he, he served his purpose, you know, and then uh. uh but there was clear that there were people there that were, they thought their job was to um, talk to the comedian that was on stage performing, to uh, interject their wit. Their wit people and, in the crowd yes. felt like they were, should be part of the show. Yes. Yeah. There was one particular gentleman <laughs> uh, who was a, a, a fairly large guy. He was pretty tall, probably about, you know, he was a formidable fellow. He was a big guy, right? Big beard, gray beard. Um, wearing a Jimmy Johnson hat. Was it a Jimmy Johnson yeah, hat? Light 
lightning bolts Jimmy Johnson. Oh, you got, you got the bolts and everything. Yeah, lightning bolt Jimmy oh, Johnson yeah. hat. Tie-dye NASCAR. Just the opposite of the hat we look for. The NASCAR jacket. Oh, it had the like the whole getup. Full gear. Probably has a flag at home too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Real beauty. Love tie-dye NASCAR shirts, and he was there to like give those guys a hard time, right? And he's got, and and he threw out mostly facts, mostly, you know, pleasant facts that just threw people off, but it it wasn't uh, particularly uh, funny. I found it very disruptive, but anyways, we went, as we, then the, the MC calls up the first act, which is our, our guest that'll be on the show later on, Anthony uh, Malekas. And uh, he comes out like a ball of fire, right? Like he's uh, really on and he's he's and getting the crowd riled up for more applause, and then he singles out this guy, the big formidable fellow, <laughs> and uh, and his buddy that looked like uh, he, everyone kept calling him Jim the Anvil Nightheart, right? Yeah. Oh, really? Night, yeah, quite a pair. Oh yeah, quite a pair, quite a pair <laughs> up there, and uh, and they singled him out and said, "No one clap, just used to motherfuckers are going to clap or whatever, something like that oh, yeah. to that effect." Hate to paraphrase him, but then he said, "And used to guys are going to clap," and he singles him out. And then uh, I don't know what, the, I couldn't see what they were doing at that point in time, but it was a real ballsy move. I thought he must have targeted those guys to be in trouble and then went at him. Well, we'll, well I touched on it with him in the interview. Mm-hmm. But um, then he goes into the, one of the best jokes that <laughs> he went into a joke that I got to tell, I'm not going to give away his act, but I like the joke so much. He had me howling and he sold it the best that I've ever seen a guy sell a joke. Like he, <laughs> he nailed the punchline and then ran through the crowd, <laughs> high-fiving people. Like nailed the punchline, <laughs> dropped the mic and ran through high five. Because it. he killed it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> right. It's always the selling of the punchline that made the punchlines that much funnier. Like <laughs> I was on the floor, like I was like really enjoying it. And uh, anyways, really good. But I had to fight the crowd the whole night to the point. And, and, and at this point in time, this guy, Anthony, if you want to look at him, look him up. It's Anthony Malekas. He's got, his last name is spelled M-L-E-K-U-Z. It's a really difficult name. Well, it's not <laughs> yeah. easy. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of consonants where, and there's, but that's, that's his name. And he's stuck with it. He's not going Ringo Starr or like <laughs> anything like that. He's going with that one. It's what God gave him or whatever. Yeah. So, um, Anthony, you look him up, and he's a bearded fellow. He's got a beard, mm-hmm. right? He's uh, and uh, so, and he's uh, you know, he's probably he looked at this fellow that's uh, got also a beard, a long beard. So you have both of these. He felt it was like looking into a, a mirror uh, to look into the future of himself. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. So when he saw Jimmy Johnson fan and tie dye. <laughs> He called. He coined him "Future Me." Future Me. Okay. Future right? Me. Yeah. So it's important. I have to say this because in the interview we do talk a lot about Future Me, okay. and f- or which is Future Him, yeah. f- Future Anthony Malekas, right? Not Future Pete Van Dyke. Well, P- future Pete Van Dyke would be, uh, God only knows, a sorry <laughs> sight to behold. <laughs> a sorry sight. You don't want to think about that, right? Yeah. Geez, that would just be a sad day when looking at Future Me. <laughs> I don't imagine it's you'd getting better. To, you'd have to sit down. Holy. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. I really let myself go. And it was the <laughs> it was the same thing uh with this fella. He felt that Anthony had looked into the this this mirror into his future and seen what he's become and he kept that was the bit for the whole night and it was it was actually it was pretty good, right? That shut him up too, like right, future me. Yeah. But Future Me was a real uh, dickhead. Yeah, that's a burn. He oh, say, he was a real dickhead. Oh. He would just say, would you shut up, Future Me? Future Me, would you shut the fuck up? <laughs> it was awesome. Well, he deserved it. He was a real so dickhead. So he just played off him for the 
for the night whenever he needed to go back he just act on him oh the final guy the guy that closed the show he couldn't couldn't even say a full bit they would cut him off and they'd be louder than oh really him. future me was still at it oh, yeah, yeah. future me was a dick and this whole table and at one point in time i think people started kind of like giving him like telling him like this isn't what you're supposed to do like people and other tables around him are like would you guys quit it you gotta let the guys do their job yeah and uh so by the end i saw one of the girls who's sitting at his table actually shush the uh her friend for laughing at a joke she's like you gotta be respectful i'm like no you're allowed to laugh oh, the like, laughing is what's wrong. laughing's what you want the it's the freaking shouting out just random facts about people you know that my 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 niece had surgery like that you know like we don't care <laughs> You don't fucking care. Like, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like no one in the audience gives a shit either. Like, anyway, interesting. Yeah, I go to the, I go to the smoking area after the. They had an intermission, and they had an intermission in the act. So after the after the first guy, they had intermission to let people pee and, break. and get a smoke. Yeah. So I'm like, I was kind of uncomfortable sitting there for all that time with people that were driving me nuts. A lot of them were talking through the show and all that shit. So I'm going out of the smoking area. I didn't really even want a cigarette, but I'm like, I just got to get out of here. You know, right. so smoking area is a place to go. Yeah. And I, so I went there and I started bitching about future me, mostly, right? And then I realized that I bump right into the guy. He's like smoking back to back to me. No way. And I bump into him. I turn around. I'm like, hey. And he's like, hey, um, give these guys a run for their money tonight. And I'm like, oh, all right, yeah, I'm like, great. And he goes, uh, um, did you hear the best line of the night was that line that girl from the crowd yelled out? Did you hear that one? And I said, no, I was trying to listen to the act. Right, and he goes, uh, "Oh, fuck those guys! Like they, uh, they know what they're doing." I'm like, "Yeah, but they work pretty hard at it. Like, why don't you just? I want to see what they got. Like, I, if you keep interrupting them in the middle of it, you know, I, I can't. Give them a chance. I can't even tell what they're trying to do because you're screwing it up all the time. Why don't you just stop? I didn't say all that. I just said I just kind of like want to see what they can do, you know. And then he's like, "Uh, yeah." And then I, then I saw he was wearing the Michigan NASCAR tie dye T shirt. Oh, and I was course. like, "Hey." Just came back from Bristol, eh? And he's like, really, Bristol? And I'm like, ah, oh, I got him back again. Because I was afraid he was going to like, so he was this fucking kid, right? Yeah. Like, or he's this guy get busting my balls. And then he loved you after uh, Yeah, I got to go Bristol just to get him back on my side because I don't want to have any problems with Future Me because he was... Uh, Future Me and Jim the Anvil Night. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good tag team by the sounds of it. Yeah. My dad, my dad um, actually said when he was leaving at the end of the evening, mm-hmm. right? Stayed a little bit for the dancing. To finish up the beer chick, the did beer chick himself or didn't dance, just, just viewed it. It was a surprise, but he didn't get on the dance floor. I was oh. expecting a little boot scoot and boogie, maybe a, it wasn't his, wasn't his dance, the wrong song. No, he's more of an achy breaky. Oh, little Billy Ray, <laughs> little Billy Ray. He just knows those steps, eh? He's yeah. just, uh, you know, he learned a fuse. That's it. <laughs> but, but I didn't play his song that night, so he couldn't do anything. He just sat there and drank. Fair enough. Yeah. And so, uh, it was, uh, we, he said he was leaving to the car. He went with my younger sister. And, uh, my younger sister said, um, uh, wait here, I'll go get the car. Right. And then she leaves to go get the car and future me says right beside my dad, I wish I was that car. Right. Oh, right. What? Yeah. That's what I heard today from, and then uh, future me. And then my dad, who is like, uh, you know, he's, He's a real man, you know? <laughs> He's got frying pan hands. You don't want yeah, those see, things coming back. Where do you think Paul gets them from? Yeah, you know? He's like, that guy's got real balls, eh? And I think uh, he just kind of looked at him like, you know, I could just, I could really just fucking clock you right now, you know what I mean? Yeah, just, I'm going to let it go. 
but he's like because I don't like future me was a formidable guy, but I don't think he's any match no. for the old uh, the old bear claw of Willie Van Dyke coming down <laughs> on you. I would be a little afraid of that one. But so you got future me if you're listening to this program, which I doubt you are, and I hope you're not because I I don't feel that I like you and I don't want you to listen to this. <laughs> but uh, if you do, uh, you got away with one there, buddy. You got real close to getting an old Willie Van Dyke bear claw in your face. And, and you're what, lucky. You caught him in a weak moment. Yeah, you definitely did. So anyways, what I was saying, what, what one of the things, I was affected by the crowd that evening, like thinking that they were being just disrespectful. And my buddy and former co-host Dave Charles is sitting beside me. I was like, what do you think of this? Eh? And he's like, oh, it's terrible. At one point in time, even Dave uh, felt the need to say out loud, how rude, how rude of these people. To future me? No, no, he just said it out loud, like t- towards just the comedian. In general. He was actually towards Anthony Malekas, oh, our, okay. our guest that's going to be on the show later on. Okay. It was to him, and he, and he actually stopped his act and said, "That's right, sir. That's right. I appreciate your your support. It is rude. I how agree. rude of them. Right? I agree with with you. Right? That's what he said to Dave when Dave said, "How rude." So he's a big supporter of the middle act. And then Dave had a few more drinks during the intermission. <laughs> right? Martinis. No, they weren't, oh, serving, they weren't serving. They weren't serving martinis at the Burford, at the Burford Agriculture Agri- Center. No, it was beer, I think, yeah. in a in a red cup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, so he sits down as a few more of these things, and then uh, there's a pen that was dropped in the middle of the act. It's on the floor. There's a pen. So there's a stage, and there's a bit of empty floor before the seats, and there's a pen in the middle of it. And it and it, I guess the uh, Anthony dropped it out of his pocket, mm-hmm. so the crowd made aware us all aware of it was his. Not that we cared either. And then this, the closer wanted to make a joke about the pen being on the floor. And then uh, Charles at one point in time just got up out of his chair and picked up the pen, <laughs> put it in his pocket, right? He said, this is enough of this, you know, enough of this. And actually, when the guy came out, I remember Dave muttering. I could hear him muttering when the guy first came out, the closer. And he was muttering, um, why is he so red? Why is his face so red, right? Dave's just like uh, angry that his face is too red for Dave's, Dave likes his comedians with a pale pink hue. He doesn't like he doesn't, he doesn't like, like red face comedians. He's very against red face comedians. So he said, "No, like no, I am not going to be listening to what this guy has to say. His face is too red. <laughs> I don't like Rodney Dangerfield. I don't like this guy. You know, they're two red faces. Why? Why does he have a rush of blood to his face? It's I don't bullshit. like it. I don't like it. I don't like it at all." And so he never gave the guy a chance, I didn't believe. And he was getting grumpier and grumpier as the set progressed. And he was just got more mad at the guy. And he kept trying to get me to back him up on his like lunacy that he was in for. And I'm like, no. I, I my, my mom is howling behind me. I can hear her and my Aunt Joanne laughing their butts off. You know, they're laughing. And Charter's is grumpy and he's like mad. And then partway through the act, the guy's in the middle of a joke. Charters throws the pen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> He throws the pen back. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And at one point in time, he gets up. He's like getting gathering drink tickets from everybody because he can't get them out of his own goddamn pocket. He's got to go get them from everyone else's in the middle of a performance. And then uh, meander through because he didn't like the guy's red face. He could care less. Yeah. He just wants more beer. More beer. The guy's right in the middle of a joke. He throws the pen. The guy's like, what the fuck? And the pen's back. (laughs) Yeah. Charles whips it at him. All because his face is a little bit red. Didn't like it. Didn't like red face comics. I didn't know that about my buddy Dave, but he doesn't like red face comics. Prejudice. Yeah, he's very prejudiced. 
I don't know if I don't know. I didn't see it coming, to be honest with you. I didn't see it coming. I'm like, what the hell happened to Charters? Did you notice it too, Paul? You were there. Oh yeah, he got meaner and growling and just <laughs> hated the last act. This guy sucks. <laughs> I'm going to get I need drinks. more beer. And then threw the pen and it was <laughs> Pete looked at him that look of uh, disgust <laughs> Dave felt shame after he kind of sat there quiet Pete, knew Pete with the stern look like what the fuck are you I was like what are you doing he goes like, what if you were doing an open mic night Dave or one of your like performances and people keep throwing pens at you yeah exactly you, you don't like what are you what are you doing like there's many people don't like you is that how they they should react they, should, they feel they free throw to throw pens. stuff at you some people might not like fat Polacks. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, who's this? I'm just telling Polak? you right now, Dave set the precedent. So if you guys are out ever at a bar, a restaurant, open mic night across this great province of ours, and mm-hmm. you might see the Rooster 2K7 up on stage, Dave Charles strumming his guitar. And if you don't like what he's playing, throw pens at that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he's got it coming to him. Yeah. He's asking for it. Yeah. It's karma do on to others hmm. so now at this point in time i think it's, a, it's only fitting we introduce our guest because he's gonna he's gonna fill in his side of the story on uh, what happened that evening and uh so uh, without further ado we'll go with uh we'll introduce our guest great ladies and gentlemen it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest for this evening's show you can see him touring all over canada with yuck yucks and uh if you wait till this october you can stay tuned for his new album coming out uh, he is uh, our guest this evening, The act, one of the acts that uh, performed for us in Burford on Saturday from Hamilton, Ontario, The Hammer, the great Anthony Malekis. Anthony, welcome to the show. <laughs> you got it, Malekis, you got it, you got it, Malekis, yeah. Malekis. So, Anthony, I was, I want, we told a little bit about the story earlier of uh, us going down to Burford to see the Yuck Yucks uh, fundraiser they were doing for the firefighters. And we, yeah. were, we were right in the front row there. Um, so if you were, when you were on stage, I don't know if you remember, but we would be to your uh, right-hand side if you were facing us. You know where Future Me was in the other corner? Yes, you we, were opposite of, of Future Me. Opposite of Future You right in the front future row. Future Me, Pete, not Future You. Yes, Future Me. Future I Me. I don't know who Future You is, but I'm <laughs> well aware that Future Me is in existence. Yeah, living in Burford, and he's got a pretty big drinking problem. <laughs> he does. He does. And actually, I had the pleasure of meeting him in the smoking area. Do you smoke? Oh, did An- you? Oh, yeah. for do you. you. Do you smoke, Anthony? I don't smoke. You no, sh- I'm a you- non-smoker. You should take it up because uh, the most to. the most interesting thing happens in the smoking area. Like all the good stuff happens out there. Even uh, you know, lung cancer aside, it really does create uh, for a more entertaining life if you get to hang out with the weirdos in the smoking area, which is you why know, other people. Other people have said this to me before, and I think it's true. I like the idea of being able to have an excuse to just go away from people. Like, just <laughs> that's what I like about smoking. You can just kind of leave, and uh, and no one is like, "Oh, he's gonna no." It's just he's going to have a smoke. Yeah, so, yeah. Maybe I'll take it up for that reason. Well, I had to a... meet some weirdos, and that's an added bonus. Yeah, I met future future you in the uh, smoking area. I was bitching about future you about being a real jerk in the audience, and then future you bumped into me in the back, and then I had to like quickly like uh, try to find out how much trouble i was in because i didn't have to clarify for your listeners that future me isn't actually from the future that we don't have any powers to go to the future i don't know just a guy who i'm assuming i'm going to look like in the future just wanted to clarify that i don't know how i'm not married to this podcast your fans are and they could believe that you're talking to a guy who can time travel i don't want them to think that pete 
Well, I, I don't think you can disprove that that guy wasn't from the future. It wasn't you from the future. That's a good point, actually. You know, you, I think you've solved it. I think you solved time travel, which is that we can't prove that it does. It doesn't exist, so it must exist. Yeah, he didn't put up any sort of a fight to say he wasn't you. That's what well, I... You a good point, though. He never once said he wasn't me. In fact, he only aided in <laughs> trying to make sure I knew it was me. Yes, so, that's yeah, right. So I wanted to say that to me, to me, and I tweeted out this to you, uh, that's how I made contact with you, was that I thought that was the worst crowd, comedy crowd that I've ever been a, personally a part of the audience that was that bad before. And maybe I've just been lucky, but uh, I thought that uh, maybe because, I think it was probably because it was a fundraiser that involved dancing and drinking as well as comedians that maybe some people weren't there for you guys or that they were being so bad. What do you think? I- I think you're absolutely right. I think the thing is that, uh, well, first of all, I think if that was the worst crowd, then you're, you're pretty lucky because I've, uh, I've definitely, definitely seen crowds that were far less into me. That was the nice thing about that crowd. They were at least into what I was doing. Some of them were a little too much into it. The oh. odd peer person didn't care for me, but it wasn't like a complete sort of mutiny against what I was doing. So that right off the bat always makes it better. If they had all like hated what I was doing, then it would have been definitely up there. But I think anytime you marry the idea of comedy. And I know like a lot of bars are really guilty of this. I think they, they have the same sort of notion towards comedy as they do towards music, mm. which is that they can just kind of set it up and it'll happen and it'll take care of itself. And they treat it like that. And, and not that there aren't similarities between the two, but I feel like if you do that, you're, you're missing sort of the main point of comedy, which is having a, an audience that's engaged, that's listening, that's, that's, you know, enjoying the show. Right. Um, so anytime, anytime, yeah, anytime you team that up with something else, it has at least the potential to be very dangerous. And you're right. If people bought tickets going for the food and drink and thought the comedy was kind of like an afterthought in their minds, then they're obviously not going to get the same out of the show. Whereas someone who went with the comedy is sort of, you know, what they wanted to see, then they would, they would get a lot of that. But that, you sort of get that as, a, as, as you go along and doing shows, you, you see, you sort of get to solve shows pretty early on or think at least you can solve them pretty early on to know sort of, you know, if the audience is going to be into it, why they're there, what's going on. And, and with fundraiser shows, it can be, it can be difficult, but it can also be really good because a lot of those fundraiser shows take place in, in cities and towns, maybe where they don't have a comedy club or where maybe they have never been able to see live comedy. So sometimes you get crowds that are really, really into what you've, uh, what you've got to say, because they're just happy to sort of see it in, in the flesh. So, it, it can definitely be a roller coaster, though, doing those sorts of shows. Yeah, like uh, I also think that uh, some of that's like timing. Like you guys, when you build your, when you write your jokes, like they, there's a certain amount of timing that needs to be pulled off in order to get the beats, you know, in order to get the. Oh, for, for sure. And when they're yeah, all, and I think, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. And then when when the it's hard when the people are always trying to mess you up and they're they're screwing your timing up and it's hard to get it back once you've lost it. Yeah, I think that you're you're right, and that's that's the thing. No matter what, like I don't mind. I, as I've gone, you know, this is my fourth year doing stand up now, and I've definitely changed in terms of when I first started out. But now it's a lot more about, you know, making the show really good, but also making some parts of it for the people that are there. And, and sometimes there's more of that just based on how I'm feeling. Like there's certain nights where I just want to go up and, and have fun with the crowd and, and not make fun of the crowd, but just sort of make it sort of for them and have sort of one experience that might not translate to another night. Right. And there's other nights where I want to go up and all I want to do is my act. And there's other nights where I want to do a little bit of both. So you kind of can't, at least I know that I, I if I set my mind to sort of only one way, then I end up either letting myself down or I end up getting pissed if the audience isn't as responsive as I wanted them to be. So right. I don't mind when, when people get engaged, but yeah, when you start to get like, 
when you start getting people, there, there's a fine line between getting people engaged and my, my act naturally, I've built it towards that because I do talk about certain things that I feel like I need to sort of do them with a smile and, and maybe need to, to cartoon them up a bit in order to have people get into it. But, uh, but I want people to have fun. I mean, ultimately that's what they're there to do. So you hope they do that, but you hope they don't cross sort of that line. And I think that night, that's sort of what happened. I think a few of them thought that my antics gave them the green light to sort of <laughs> yeah. do whatever they wanted to do. And I think that that might come too with the fact that maybe they haven't seen a show before. So they thought that what I was doing required them to get involved as opposed to just letting it sort of happen and sort of, sort of putting that trust in the performer and the comedian or whoever you're watching. It could be, you know, spoken word. It could be a band. It could be anything. But when you're, when you're putting your trust in that person to sort of go, okay, they, they probably know what they're doing. This probably has a purpose. There's a reason why they're doing this. Let's just sort of enjoy it and let it happen. And certain people can do that and other people can't. And, you know, you just sort of roll with it as, uh, <laughs> as it comes at you. So when you were at the beginning, when the MC was up and, uh, and he was trying to kind of settle the crowd down, get them ready to go. Are you in the back watching who he's having problems with and trying to figure out your plan of attack and how you're going to defend against these guys? Or yeah, I think I think a good if you if if you've done enough shows, I think you pretty much know if if it's going to happen, you know within the first minute of the host being up there who is going to be a problem. Um, there's the odd time where you know, they might not say anything early on, but you've, you've caught, you know, a group of people that might be having too much to drink or might be talking a lot during like the pre-show or even during the host. So, you know, you start to sort of realize that that could be an issue, but ultimately I think what I've tried to do is I've always tried to not kind of go in thinking they're going to be a problem. I've always tried to give crowds the benefit of the doubt because I mean, they're there to see a show. I'm there to put on a show. It's no fun if I go after them right away and try to deal with them if they haven't really done anything to me. So it's more so that I'll try to look at that and be like, okay, I'm going to go up and I'm going to do what I do. And maybe, and most, to be honest, most times that I've done this and just gone up and done my, my act, most people have just quieted down and gotten into it. And, right. I, and I like that. And I, and I appreciate that from, from a, a, a bunch of standpoints, uh, both from them being you know attentive, but also from maybe me having the ability to be like, okay, I'm doing something where people want to pay attention to it. So it's sort of a, a neat little thing that I can also kind of pat myself on the back and go, okay, well, at least they were paying attention to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would never, I would never intentionally, I don't think go up and do that, but I'm well aware of like, before I step on stage, unless I'm just showing up at the show, I'm usually pretty aware early on of who might sort of have a problem with me or who I might have a problem with. And, uh, cause you open and the yeah, show, you open the show with, um, singling out the two troublemakers, didn't you? To, to make them clap did, that wasn't even, that, to be honest that wasn't even my intention i think what happened was midway through my first sentence i think the guy who i ended up referring to as future me uh, <laughs> i feel like people should now be looking at a picture of me and then just imagining don't even bother oh, we'll paint the picture. what future me should yeah. look like just build up in your mind what future version of me will look like yeah we're going to paint uh, a we're going to paint a vivid picture of this before yeah, this interview <laughs> and that, our, yeah, our, our audience will be well aware of future me <laughs> a lot of tie dye a lot of nascar big nascar fan big yeah. beard yeah. um but i think he might have chimed in on something and I know that early on in my set, like the first three or four bits that I do, I, I know they require attention and I know that they, they have a per, like I go down one road and then usually quickly go down another. I know this sounds hilarious the way I'm pulling apart my <laughs> <Yeah>. jokes. <laughs> no, Who I wants to laugh now, guys? <laughs> but uh, but I, I think that that's, that maybe, maybe on that night that got me a little bit 
sort of off guard because it's like, oh, I just started. And I hadn't even, it's different if you go up on stage. I mean, I did this a lot more than when I first started, but maybe you go up on stage and you say something that can be, you know, seen as offensive or is offensive or is, mis, you know, construed as being offensive. And that then has an audience member sort of go after you. And that's almost, under, it's not understandable, but I get it. Um, but with this, it was just kind of out of left field. So maybe that's why I kind of immediately was like, okay, I better do something. And I think early on, and, and this goes for a lot of, uh, not necessarily shows in small towns, because like I said before, they can be really good. I think shows in venues like that, where it's not... I'm not not a comedy a venue. venue. Yeah, it was such a big open venue. The sound travels. There's lots of distractions. I mean, comedy is... It's, it should be tight. It should be very dark. It should be uh, in terms of like the lighting, it yeah. should be, you know, all the focus is on stage. But yeah. Intimate. Exactly. That's the best way of putting it. This had a much more, you know, I had an odder feel to it. So that might've also already had my mind going to the idea that it was going to have to be a different sort of show right. than what I would normally do. But, uh, but I don't know. I think the people that, the people that saw me that liked it, and at the end of the day, that's kind of where I'm at right now with, with doing up. Like I'm the people that, that like it, and they get it are the people that I'm doing it for. And, and it's not to sound, I'm not trying to sound like an, you know, pompous or an asshole or anything, but it's more like, that's what, what I'm going towards. I want people to, to be into what I'm doing because I like what I'm doing and, mm-hmm. and I'm doing it for people who are, are similarly minded. And if I can branch out and do it for people who maybe didn't think they'd be into my style of comedy, you know, that's great. But, uh, but I knew there was inevitably, I knew there was going to be people there that night that weren't going to be into what I was doing. So I asked my mother for a review of your act, uh, before oh. I came here. Because, <laughs> so your mother was there too? Yeah, it was their, it was their 40th wedding anniversary. So we brought our parents and my, all my brothers and sisters were all there. And my cousin and a co-host of my show who actually was a supporter of yours, but then turned into a real drunk dick for the closer. Um, something oh, like no, a, a light really? switch went off and he, all of a sudden this guy who, I remember during your act, he actually said, how rude. And you picked up on it and you said, yeah, that's right. How rude. You know, like, thank you for saying that. To, Cause he was being a supporter of the comedian. And then yeah, somewhere yeah. that whatever drink he drank, uh, <laughs> flipped a switch and made him a real prick. Eh? And it sounds, uh, a lot like, it sounds a lot like Burford was the problem. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. And he was, the, he was the only one of the whole group of us that was from Burford. And so that's, that's what we were saying. I think it's something well, in, in Burford. That's, uh, I'll, I'll let you tell me what your mother-in-law thought of me in a second, but that's what a lot of people came up after the show and said that to me. They're like, just so you know, I thought you were funny and I'm not from Burford. <laughs> that was like, a, that was like a, a catalyst for them letting me know that it's the town. Yeah. It's not you. <laughs> Burford, Burford hates you, but all the rest of us from up that traveled here, we, we think you're great. Burford despises you, but most of Burford <laughs> isn't here. But the ones that are here, they can't stand your guys. You better take the back door. Um, did so you stick you around after? What did your, what did your, what did your mother-in-law say? As my mother, as my mother, my mother, mother. Sorry, yeah. what's your mother think? Sorry, uh, uh, my mother. Uh, uh, she found uh, your intensity to be off-putting at first. Is what she said. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then, but then she like real, then she realized that it was part of your act, and then she settled into it. She said, and then I found them to be very good. That's what that's that was her uh, pretty much a quote from my mom. There you go. That would be, and that would be my aim for branching off. And normally, I'm not that. I mean, people will argue and say, yes, I am. But normally, I'm not that intense. <laughs> Off yeah. the top, I usually like to let it build to something. But uh, you had the I best, know, I, the best, it. best sale of a punchline that I've ever seen. And and well, that's <laughs> and that's and that's what I love about like it's such a. And I've said this to people before. Like it's such a corny. There's times where I'm up there and I'm like, 
I'm doing it from a standpoint of like, this is a comedian. Here yeah. comes a comedian. <laughs> yeah. And I want people, that's what kind of what I want. I want people to sort of be in on that. And it was never like an intentional thing to, to be that. Cause I started out very, very different. And then, um, then I, I switched to almost, almost basically like a one liner type guy. And I still have elements of that, I think in my act, but I've now gone back to sort of a, a hybrid of both of those where it's, so you do you feel your you feel you're fi- finding your voice then like is it um... yeah I mean it, constantly finding it and tweaking it and, and evolving it I think that's uh, that can be a good thing and a bad thing because there's elements there's points sort of where you're 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 you know you you think you've got your voice and then it changes a little bit and and you know ideas aren't flowing in that voice anymore and uh, and ultimately my goal was to to always be a, a version like a true version, but a version of my personality on stage. It was never going to be, I was never, I knew I was never going to be the guy who went up there and just was 100% honest. I always liked the, the idea of writing a joke and the idea of putting on almost like a performance, but it was just a matter of, of how I could do that to be a little bit different than maybe other people who have done similar things, but still similar enough that maybe you translate to, to, you know, people who are into comedy. Like it's, it's such a weird thing because it's, it's, I've never thought about, comedy like this before probably about a year ago um but now i've sort of started to look at it more from like an outsider standpoint to be like okay what am i doing right what am i doing wrong and not to say that there's anything wrong or right but just sort of being i guess more critical and more um, taking more of an examination of sort of what i'm doing when i'm on stage um and i think it's helped me but i don't know i I, you know i do all this work and and nothing might come of this so really (laughs) at the end of the day it's just it's a very intense hobby and it's uh it's it pays, but it's it's an odd thing to sort of put so much effort into. But I, I obviously really enjoy it. And, yeah, I can definitely relate. The podcasting is uh, not meant for to make money for the most part. So yeah, exactly. the efforts you put into it, you 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 hope it's good. You you put your you put yourself into it, so you feel you feel a little vulnerable about it. But then at the end of the day, you're you're like. Uh, you just have to stand by it because it, it, it did happen, you know, like, and all you can do is improve from it. You're not going to learn anything unless you eat shit once in a while, you know, like. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and again, by far, that was not, uh, I mean, the amount of shit I've eaten over the years, that was not, uh, that was nowhere oh. near what, uh, like a bad, like that to me, that was, that was probably, if you would ask me, and I'm honestly, like, if you had asked me before I even went on that night, if I thought it was going to go like that, I would have probably been at least within the ballpark of how it would have gone. Like I, I would have said it would have gone something like that. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to go awful, but I also knew that it was inevitable that I wasn't going to have people. And that's the thing. It's, it's funny too. Cause even after I went up um, and it was before the show, but they, they ended up taking an intermission, which is something they don't usually do. Yeah, but it was, one of the other, it was one of the other comedians that suggested it before the show even started. And he suggested it based on his experience. He was like, you know what? A lot of people are, it's like 25 minutes for the first act. It's 20 minutes for the, the opener um so that's 45 minutes so if people want to go out and get a smoke if they want to grab another drink they're going to be itching and and just antsy in their seats and i think a lot of that might have been what was occurring sort of at the end of my set where it was like i'm ready to wrap this up you guys whether you liked it or not are ready to watch me wrap this up let's all wrap this up and it became like a i really noticed it then but had he not mentioned that to me before the set i don't even know if i would have thought about that but it was so funny in that moment sort of looking at it from my perspective it was like oh this is why he wanted to take an intermission because i can see these people right now being yeah. like i need to smoke or i need a drink yeah, and you- again that's 
sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. It's just that, that, that's what I, uh, even my mom had said that too. She said, I think he would have went longer if the crowd was nicer. Like if the crowd was, 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 uh, was well, and, and it wasn't that they were, it wasn't that you were bombing at all. You, you did really well. I'm not, I hope you don't think that I'm, I'm oh, no, suggesting no, no. that. And I wouldn't, and I, and even if I had, I wouldn't have, uh, uh, I would have agreed to do this if I had bombed. <laughs> yeah. It probably would have been more interesting. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh yeah. I would have loved to have talked. Oh my God. Talking about bombing is, is always more interesting because it's such a hard thing to, if you could figure out how to not bomb, everyone yeah. would, I mean, the simple fact is, oh, I have funny jokes, but. Truly, there's there's a bunch of other elements involved when when someone bombs, or normally a bunch of elements involved. So, right. but it's uh, it's funny that she says that. I mean, technically, I was at my I was actually beyond my time limit, um, and I think a lot of that had to do with dealing with you yeah, know the people yeah. who were yelling out. But uh, but no, I probably wouldn't have gone much longer. I mean, that's pretty much my right now. That's my you know that was twenty five. I've got a solid forty thirty five forty. So. I wouldn't have gone much longer if at all. And in that setting, it was more so I didn't want the show to go any longer because I, I am considerate of, especially with shows like that, because it is a fundraiser because I know they're trying to make money. Yeah, yeah. There's always going to be a headliner. Right now there's still a headliner who comes on after me and you don't want to, yeah. you know, suck all the life out of the room or, or still all the laughs in the room and then leave the headliner sort of, yeah. uh, you know, grasping at straws when they go up there. But, um, yeah. Now, but yeah, it was definitely it was so, interesting. So, if you have forty minutes now, is that do you have another twenty for the album in October? Is that the goal? Or I've got. Well, I actually I recorded a DVD about three years ago that was about an hour and ten minutes, um, and I don't do any of that material anymore. So right now, I've got. Yeah, I've got forty, like a, what I would consider a strong forty for my my uh, the album that I want to do in October, and then. I'm happy with it at 40 and I'm happy with it if it gets to 60, but I'm not really setting. That was the problem when I did my first, uh, the first DVD that I did. Um, I was really sort of setting goals. Like I thought it had to be this long. It had to be this way. It had to, I sort of set out all these maps. And I think at the end of it and after doing it, I realized that I didn't like that way of doing it. And I kind of wished I had just sort of allowed it to just sort of flow naturally and be sort of, me in the moment as opposed to me trying to make it milk time out something of it. That, yeah. yeah yeah and trying to make it something that i don't even know if number one i could make it at that point in my career and number two that i would even want to make it now like something sort of completely structured and and you know a solid 60 minutes and, and i and that's not something i'm going for now so yeah. it, it was good to do because it allowed me to sort of get rid of a bunch of material that again i don't even use anymore but it also was good to do because it kind of it taught me now for this next one at least a few ways of doing it differently that i think i'll be happy with oh cool cool well i, I like breaking down this the, the comedy thing because it's really interesting to me because a lot of people just think it's you go up there and it's uh, it's a breeze they, they don't uh, take into consideration the amount that you torment over each word and the joke and the, the flow of it and how you rework it and and the, how the jokes evolve over time and become something totally different from where they started you know what i mean oh yeah yeah oh i i absolutely know what you mean and i think that that's what a lot of comedians like it's that whole like comedy nerd thing and it's not really a nerd thing but it's like a comedy it's like a study in comedy but it's it's trying to figure out exactly how someone goes from point a to point b and it, and it is interesting i mean i've always enjoyed that part of it like especially just watching my peers and when they go up on stage and they're working on something new or if i'm working on something new you know it might take i mean i've had jokes that have taken 6 months before I actually get it. And I'm still always kind of tweaking or trying new things just because you're always trying to sort of figure out that puzzle. 
And uh, and at the end of the day, though, figuring out that puzzle on one night in front of one crowd might not mean it's figured out. It might just mean it worked that night yeah, yeah. in front of that crowd. So it's, it's really always kind of a a fine sort of uh, balance of, of a bunch of different elements. And, and I think that's what differentiates guys who end up doing it as a career and guys who end up, you know, stopping uh, is that you put that effort in to sort of find that exact, um, not exact necessarily, but that sort of balance of everything. And that yeah. becomes a very strong act. And then you, you, you take that and that's what you end up sort of selling yourself on. Yeah. Well, I wanted to touch on one thing before we go. And that is, uh, I was reading your Twitter and you made mention of Frank D'Angelo. You know, Frank, Frank D'Angelo? And I'm, yeah, I know Frank D'Angelo. I don't know Frank D'Angelo. But. Yeah, but you know of Frank D'Angelo. I think anyone that's in, from southern Ontario for sure, uh, and I apologize to the listening audience that's from outside the area, they may not be aware of Frank D'Angelo, but he, I think he makes apple juice. Is that what he originally did? Apple juice? He started with apple juice, and much like many apple juice conglomerates before him, whether it be the Allens or the Mott's, he was able to evolve that into a career and lifestyle the likes of which you and i could only dream about yeah all his commercials are based on him being the star and putting him with playing hockey with people he likes or in a yeah. rock band he's been in a rock it's band un- yeah he, he has a touring like like orchestra band um <laughs> basically his life is frank sinatra um a famous NHL hockey player yeah, uh, and a famous and, and, and uh, Robert De Niro he somehow <laughs> found a way to live three lives by selling apple juice. people by selling apple juice. Yeah. He's a real, Who he's a real inspiration to everyone. Right. Like I can't, I can't imagine the ego of this guy. Like the, what he sees when he looks in the mirror is gotta be just the, this total rock star, right? Like he must just be in love with what he sees every morning in the mirror. Right. I'm hoping he's the most humble guy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he does all this and he's the sort of guy when you talk to him he goes nah, oh. I could lose the rock star movie star athlete lifestyle tomorrow and it wouldn't matter but yeah, yeah something tells me he probably really enjoys everything he did but I guess if you you know end up you know working out a huge corporation on apple juice then you uh, you, you can do whatever the hell you want that. right I'm assuming my guess was Frank Sinatra only sang songs so he could sell apple juice so I like to refer <laughs> to Frank D'Angelo as the reverse Sinatra basically that's what he's pulling on all of us yeah he's the true. old reverse Sinatra we've all been there <laughs> yeah who hasn't sure done you want to have a singing career but you're bogged down by your apple juice empire yeah <laughs> goddamn apple juice you know it it's the best though how can we hate on it it's the best <laughs> Well, Anthony, I want to thank you very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you ever want to come down to the Dutch Hall, I'd be more than happy to have you down here for live in studio one time. And oh, uh, yeah, I would absolutely love to. All right, awesome. We'll work it out then in the future. Um, for those of you who want to follow Anthony, you can follow him on Twitter. He's at Anthony underscore Malekus, and it's M-L-E-K-U-Z, and uh, not to be confused with Z for the American ones. <laughs> Anthony Malekus, M L. E-K-U-Z. You can follow him on Twitter. He's a good follow and Instagram as well. And uh, other than that, like, thank you very much for doing the show and uh, all the best to you. And I uh, look forward to uh, your album coming out in October. Thank you, Pete. All the best to you, man. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Wasn't that a nice interview with Anthony uh, Malekis? Yeah, it was a real delight. Yeah. I like it. The Frank D'Angelo thing was a real thing. When I read his tweet about Frank D'Angelo, uh, it brought back all those memories of like me just despising watching that freaking oh, fucking Frank D'Angelo. <laughs> douche. I'm like, are you selling apple juice for Christ's sake? <laughs> like, what are you doing playing 
getting shot shots, but Dougie Gilmore's taking shots. Not, on you no, no, not Dougie Gilmore. He couldn't draw those big names like that. No, he draws like these no namers. I thought it was always the big guy no, name guys. I was like, he's not close enough friends with those guys. It's Frank a James. joke. You know who's the closest with the uh, Espositos, eh? Oh yeah, it was the Espositos. It was. Is, is it because the Italian thing? Exactly. Uh it's the old Italian. Old Espo will come out, my good old buddy. <laughs> it was Phil Esposito That's all exactly the time. Who what? It is. Right, Phil Esposito. That's who we played hockey with. <laughs> Not saying Phil Esposito is a great hockey player, but Frank D'Angelo. Jeez, Louise. Yeah, he is the worst. He's the worst. Hey, I'm Frank D'Angelo. You might know me from such commercials as uh, Cheetah Power Search. <laughs> he's a real, he's a real player, though. I gotta give him credit for at least doing what he wants to do. Like the guy's in, the guy living a rock star life. It's just that who cares about it other than him. This, this is from the guy with the <laughs> podcast. This is with the podcast that no one listens to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? What? It reminds me of a thing when we talk about my podcast. I always think of my, my listeners at home. Okay. And every time I think of my listeners at home, I think of a segment that we call Feedback. We got feedback. We got feedback. Feedback. Welcome to Feedback. We got feedback, everybody. This week's Feedback, We Got Feedback is brought to you by our good friends from VG Meats. Very good meats. That's all they get is very good meats from me. If you go to my website... You can uh, click on a coupon and bring it into either of the VG Meats locations in Simcoe or Stony Creek. But they will not get any better than very good rating from me until we get pepperettes in this Dutch hall. The, uh. the challenge has been laid out to the VG boys to, to deliver pepperettes. It's the least they can do for the great advertising we give. It would be delicious and, it ha- right and, and, I, and I, I'm thinking a little salty pepperette would just be perfect right now salty for the beer. Delicious. Mm. The other thing we didn't do at this up ep- the beginning of this episode, which we should do every, each and every week, we should start our show like this where we really boost up the great cast of life from the Dutch Hall. <laughs> our band leader, Mike Bowe, sits there and does a great job for Nocturnal Emissions week in and week out, even with the abandonment of his, uh, his bandmate, Dave Charters. I just want to thank Mike for being here again. Let's hear around here well, for Mike. Thanks for having me, Pete. Somebody's got to stay strong while Charters is uh, effing the dog. Yes, exactly. And of course, our bartender, my brother, and uh, the excellent bartender, excellent. And, uh, Paul Van Dyke, who's here each and every week to support us. Thanks, Paul. My boy, Paul. I don't even think I grabbed a beer. No? I haven't even grabbed my own beer yet. <laughs> yeah, you're off the clock today. What, what a bartender. Nice to have you up here, though, really. <laughs> Yeah, we let you come away from the bar today because we had a spot for you. So it's nice to have you up sitting close. It is. And every week we reach out to our listeners and we beg them and plead with them, please give us feedback of any sort so that we can know if we're doing a good job or if we're really off the rails. And you guys have uh, told us <laughs> both ways. Uh, sometimes I get confused as whether I'm doing this right or wrong. And uh, this week's no exception, but I had a, I just had a recent, it comes on Thursdays right for the show. We got one uh, piece of feedback from... Um, Bill Ella, right? Bill Ella gave us a piece of feedback, said he was going up the 400. Let's hear for Bill. Boy, Billy. That's nice. Bill gave us a piece of feedback saying he was heading up the 400 highway. Listen to the Bristol show. He said he's having a great, uh, great laugh. And he said, what was that? We, can, we probably can read it. And we, instead of paraphrasing the guy, we have his feedback right up here. Why don't we just put it on? Have a look-see. It says right here, it says uh, northbound to 400 to the cottage laughing my ass off at the Br- at bristol baby keep up the good work guys that's what he said that's, that's a real nice piece of feedback stories. and you normally a piece of feedback like that would get, name you lister of the week but i gotta apologize to mr ella because uh it's not gonna work this week because oh. we have a different listener of the week which we'd like to name 
And uh, this is a bit of an olive branch because we have a little bit of a, a problem. Of course, as we've mentioned on the show before, we lost our uh, co-host who walked off the show due to dispute over our booking choices. He wanted Dave Wilcox, and I canceled Dave Wilcox to go to Bristol. <laughs> and we had a great show. We met some great people, and I think Dave sure was did. wrong on this. I think we've been proving him wrong time and time again. And we'll get Wilcox another day. But uh, I do want Dave back on the show. I have to admit it. He's a great part of the show. And, and I think that uh, what we did was we captured lightning in a bottle. We wrote a song that is a, the debut of the Nocturnal Emissions that I can't wait to, to uh, unveil to the rest of the world. And uh, I need Dave to do it. And so we want to get him back on the show. So I'm extending a bit of an olive branch out to my former co-host, Dave Charters. I'm laying it out on the line. I'm saying to him, Dave, you've been, you've been a listener and supporter of the show since day one, and uh, you've never been named Listener of the Week. So for this week, Dave Charters, the rooster, 2K7, <laughs> is uh, our Listener of the Week. So let's hear it for the rooster. Come on back, Dave. Just Come on back. Nocturnal Emissions needs you. That's for Dave. We need you back. So you're Listener of the Week. Well done, Dave. And his piece of feedback about Bristol was... Uh, uh, he felt that the storytelling was sound <laughs> and he felt that, uh, Precise. <laughs> I felt like I was, uh, you painted a great picture. I felt like I was there. And so it was very, very, uh, pointed feedback and I appreciate it. That's why he's listening of the week. Yeah, and hopefully positive. because our next, we have another road show coming up next week. We're going on the road. We're packing up the life in the Dutch hall crew. Uh, and we're going to, uh, BC to Okanagan Valley next week for a show with some great former guests of, uh, life from the Dutch hall. We're meeting up with uh, Mark and Sonia uh, Rowan, who have been on the California Dreaming Show. Mm -hmm. They're going to be back on again. Can't wait to talk with them. We'll hopefully get some stories of what we're doing, what we we're doing out there in BC, but also some of the stuff we used to do back when we were in university, young and stupid, yeah. because those are always where the best stories come from. So can't wait till next week's Okanagan show, and Sounds hopefully like we can have uh, Dave back on the show. I mean, we've extended the olive branch. We've done what we can on our part. I think it's the time we buried the hatchet. Oh, buried the hatchet, which is the forthcoming album of Crown the Lion. <laughs> now, Michael, we got another piece of feedback, which I'd yeah, like you to share. Yeah, with I was, us. I was uh, wanting to share that with you. Keeping in contact with some of the peop great people we met down there while they're keeping in contact with me, I guess. And uh, oh, so this would be the uh, my great wingman story of last week's it's yeah, Crystal that's, Baby. That's exactly the what two characters were, uh, I believe, Blondie and Mother Hen. Mm -hmm, correct. And um, so, Blondie and Mother Hen have been in contact with you. Uh, did yeah. they listen to the show? Well, that's what they're in contact me with, or uh, with me about Peter. Was uh, they <laughs> listened to the show on a drive together. Oh. Much like our drive down uh, Bristol Boulevard where you lost your delete hat. Oh, I wonder if they found And that. showed your titties. <laughs> uh, they were driving to some sort of event or maybe just having a, a good old girls' night out. Yeah. Anyways, Mother Hen character, yes. we'll go with Mother Hen name, yes. yeah. wrote me. She wrote, uh, Mother Hen here. <laughs> Sincere apologies for not corresponding yesterday. I was busy judging a voice contest. Seriously. We had made a joke about her with the voice thing, so oh, yeah, it was so. a real shot at us. Uh, <laughs> just wanted you to know that uh, Pete inspired Blondie and I. Hmm. We are now starting a podcast as well. Wow, this is something. We're calling it Live from the Barbie Mansion. So if you're listening, listen to that. Live from the Barbie Mansion. Let's the... give a big plug to the Live from the Barbie Mansion. She hopes, uh, Pete, that you will tune in to episode one. I definitely will. It will be epic. 
And then she also proceeded to give me a jab again and said, congratulations to your 132nd like on Facebook, Crown the Lion. Only 360 more, 68 more to go. Well, let's get let's, let's do another plug for the Crown the Lion uh, website. If you or the Facebook page, go on the Facebook page and give these guys a like so we can get them to be worthy of Wild Wings. Yeah, that's what we need to get them to this 500 level. We it's can a, play at Bristol or uh, Wild Wings if we get up to 500 likes. 512. So that's Come all on, we need. People. So everyone, 500 club. That's if you like never that. liked something before, you should like Crown the Lion because it won't bug you in your new stream. They don't do. They don't put very no. much out. On no, it, we got so. not, not much to offer. So it's like you just like them. It helps out, Mike, but it doesn't involve. <laughs> it doesn't uh, affect your life at all. Yeah, you can still see how uh, <laughs> Susie and uh, Cheryl's life is going. We're yeah. not gonna bug you. And no pictures of dinner coming your way no. on this one. No, nothing like that. It's just, no no uh, pins. You don't do many no Pinterest. You just, know? just if the, we got a rock show, we'll let you know when it is. That's what it is. Period. Why would you want? Why wouldn't you want to go see Crown Line? If you want to go see them, just hit like on Facebook. That's all we're asking you to do. <laughs> They're working on a new tour and a new album too. So we got to. We're getting excited about it. We got some uh, ideas for in the future how we're going to be able to get Crown Line on back on the show. Another repeat show. Yeah. So we're talking about. I think it's going to be. A, I think it's a good idea what we talked about, Mike. Yeah. I think it's going to be a good show. Yeah. So. We got feedback. We got feedback. We got most of this. We got a lot of good feedback about the yeah, Bristol show last positive. week. A real positive. I didn't get many negatives. But what I do get is I always look every week to one listener that's been there since the very beginning. He's our good buddy. That is he he's, a shorter fellow? Yeah, he's a smaller guy. Okay. Yeah. A, a darker complexion. <laughs> Apparently. He comes from an island country. I don't know if you guys have figured out who it is right now, but it's our good buddy, the Haitian Dwarf. Let's hear it from the Haitian Dwarf. <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> All right, the Haitian dwarf. We went through the extended version because I love hearing Barry's voice. Uh, the Haitian dwarf every week gives us feedback, and you know he he was not a big fan of of our last uh, our la- as of last week. No. And he wasn't a fan of the East Van Dyke episode. Didn't like Eves. He, he said we had a new comedic low uh, for our show, um, <laughs> and so he. But but to it's to his to, to his credit, <laughs> to his credit, he gave us five stars for that same episode. Oh yeah, yeah. still a supporter of the show, so he didn't give up on us with the East Van Dyke episode. I think a lot of people have. I think <laughs> we've seen a noticeable spike downward in the ratings since Eves Van Dyke, and so uh, hopefully Bristol got him back. And then uh, today we had the great Anthony Malekas on. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why that's a big get, yeah. right? And so uh, we, uh, so uh, the Haitian dwarf gave us feedback this week, and it's five stars again. Five stars again from the Haitian dwarf, and he says redemption! Exclamation point. Ah. Ah. In this episode, the listener will enjoy a comedic tale of an epic adventure into the nether regions of the southern U.S. U.S. by our Dutch Hall heroes. You just said you ash. You ash. You ash. You Go to the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> they make friendly with the natives and manage to stay away from those annoying fuckhorse voices for the most part. Ah, yes, the fuckhorse. What the fuckhorse? Ah, the fuckhorse. <laughs> what the fuckhorse? Yeah, head for the fuckhorse. He speaks of the fuckhorse? <laughs> what? The Haitian dwarf is not a fan of the fuckhorse voices. Oh, the fuckhorse. He doesn't like the fuckhorse? Oh, why not like the fuckhorse? <laughs> 
You've never been to the fuck house? You're not like the fuck house? What's not to like at the fuck house? <laughs> uh, Wilcox and the rooster be damned. I'm starting to think that the Iron Sheik might be right about Dave. That was the feedback. Don't be lazy, you dumb son of a bitch. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> that was for uh, Dave. Oh, jeez. What do you say about the what the whole thing he said about Dave? Rooster I can't... Dave. For, for, oh, that's what he said. Whatever your fucking name is, <laughs> I want to let you know everybody is here and you didn't make it. I don't know for what reason. You are young, intelligent man. No, uh, no. Otherwise, don't be lazy and dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I love the Iron Sheik. I think so. That's what I, I agree, Sheik. I felt it would be irresponsible me as a broadcaster not to play the clip of which the Haitian Dwarf was referring to. But it seems like we got him back. Yeah. We got him back with our dynamite storytelling, eh? Did you? Th- that's, all, that's all we needed was a good road trip to bring the Haitian Dwarf back. We got the Haitian Dwarf back. So hopefully we don't disappoint you when we go to Okanagan. We do it all over again with our May road, tri- road show, which uh, I can't wait for. I no, can't I, wait. I don't think you're, you're going to disappoint at all. I'm really looking forward to it. This is the first time packing up the gear for a big plane ride. So yeah. we're, go- we're, going on, we're going on our first jet plane trip to a road show. It's yes. going to be a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. <laughs> We're really going to make this stuff happen out there. So I hope you guys are going to enjoy it. Um, hey, you're going out of province. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Right into the, right into the BC, into the interior, right? I can't, I can't wait. So with uh, uh, Charters is actually uh, going to be there. He's, oh, okay. Yeah, he's coming. He's agreed to, to come, but he does, hasn't agreed to be on the show. Oh, I see. Right? But uh, he's going for the vacation element of it. Uh, so... Um, w- Charles is going to be there, so I'm hoping to get him on the show with this olive branch I've extended to him. But, but uh, he calls me all the time, eh, Dave? Because uh, he's really excited about the trip, and he's uh, he calls me about like what we can do. He always wants. To, he's planning. He's a planner, right? He likes to. I thought maybe he was asking you for if you had suntan lotion. I, he, uh, I hope he brings someone to rub that on his uh, <laughs> on his his big like ham bone back. <laughs> ball, what is that thing? You know, ugh, I can imagine touching that back. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. So he's gonna burn. He's gonna burn yeah, if he has get a yeah. nice thick burn. Unless he can get a woman to touch him, and I don't know if his wife will do it either. <laughs> I think <laughs> I don't know. Who's, I don't know who he's gonna get, but. <laughs> Charters, is a, he wants he wants to know if we want to go fishing, oh, okay. right? So I said, yeah, I want to, uh, sure, why not? I want to do everything. I, I, I would never say no to fishing. He goes, well, there should be good fish to catch up there. I said, great, yeah, good, let's do it. And he said, well, we go to Walmart and buy fishing rods and throw them in the water, but uh, there's no guarantees we're going to catch anything good, you know? But if we took a charter, you know, that guy could probably show us where to catch fish, right. and you're pretty Hot much spots. guaranteed to catch a decent fish because those guys know what they're doing. And I said, yeah, that makes sense. And he says, yeah, but the only problem is it's like you got to pay for it, you know. It's not, <laughs> like you didn't know that. Yeah. And so I said, oh, he goes, it's like 100 bucks, you know. And no, I know there's people in all sorts of different financial positions, but Dave's a rich man. Yeah, he's a rich man. <laughs> like he's stinking rich. He's rich in life. He owns people, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> he's rich, you know. And then so <laughs> he, he, that guy like he won't open it like he's why are you even talking about it for you know like you know you can afford a hundred bucks yeah that's the point you you can't fish yourself you get a guy to show you how to do it and you'll it's a day out and it costs it's an excursion cost you a hundred bucks that's normal right that cheap prick won't open his wall for nothing right and i don't think he's gonna bring his wife either because i'm just gonna say because that's 200 you guys 
You gotta stay back. That's too much. Yeah. Only one of us is coming. We're, we're supposed to be the cheap ones. The Dutch guys are supposed to be the cheap ones, yeah. eh? It's, it turns out the Polish, or maybe my cousins got to him, eh? He just converted them, right? Yeah, it could be. Tighten his old <laughs> asshole up, right? A little elastic band around the old nut sack. And then now he's just, he won't, like, won't, not even a penny will drip out of that. <laughs> you know, nothing at all. Tight as a whistle. Or tight as a drum. That's what it is. Tight as a, not tight, tight as, as a drum. Yeah. Tight as a drum. Yeah. Clean as a whistle. Clean as a whistle. Yeah. Naked as a jaybird. Oh. Right. Naked as a jaybird. What's another one? Sweating like a whore in church. I want to say since we're gonna <laughs> stink on a monkey. Stink on a monkey. Yeah. This. Is, <laughs> anyways, there's. This, I want to tell you. I'm gonna end the show today with. Uh, <laughs> I told my mom some jokes because it's the chuckle hut, right? This is the Dutch hall chuckle hut. I watched the roast of Justin Bieber. I finally watched it. I didn't. Wa- I missed it when it was on oh, yeah, live. So I watched it on online on YouTube or whatever, and um, it's awesome. I'm only, I'm only half. I'm only halfway through it so far. But there was one joke. There's a comedian uh, by the name of Natasha Lajaro okay. who was on this show, and uh, her joke. Was, so I really, I really liked her set, and uh, th- there's a couple jokes that killed me. It was just so funny to me. So I was told them to my mom today. <laughs> why wouldn't you yeah why wouldn't i so i went into my mom uh, to the office where my mom was working and i was like uh mom i told her i watched a bit of the bieber roast and stuff and then i said uh, uh there's some jokes i'll tell them to you but they're dirty right and she says okay go ahead and so my favorite joke this is the one i can't i can't uh stop laughing at was uh bieber's been on ellen more times than a pussy juice mustache oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's my favorite joke my mom liked it too she laughed too that's because it's ellen <laughs> yeah that was a great joke i loved it it was it was just so, oh man i love those roasts there's nothing better than those roasts oh, they are good there's some real dandies on it i i i couldn't stop laughing laughing at some of them martha stewart was phenomenal on it she just killed was she oh she killed. i only saw the uh uh ron burgundy part have you got Ron Burgundy yet? was on it? Yeah, Ron Burgundy does a whole uh, thing. Oh, really? No, yeah. I haven't got that far. I'm yeah. only halfway through it, as I said. But so yeah, it's Will Ferrell, but he's full out Ron Burgundy. Oh, really? Yeah, eh? like does not come out of. Character it seemed this roast versus all the other roasts when they invited somebody up, they like they promoted his crap first, yeah. and then then went on with the yeah. thing. And uh, it was like they had to, right? Oh, speaking of promoting, I did VGs, but I did do Amazon. No, he didn't. Oh, you go on my website, you click on the Amazon banner, and the money comes. That's how I get so rich. Like 149 bucks I got off you this thing. Fishing. Remember the start of the show? That's going to pay for my parking, probably. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Big time. <laughs> I'm rolling in it. You guys who doubted me, I don't even know what your problem is. I'm freaking suck awesome. Suck it long and suck it hard. <laughs> yeah. This Dutch Hall is rolling now, boys. So that's it. That's the show. We got... Oh, I, I told, that's... Uh, I think that's it, eh? We got to do the good. VG uh, complained. Our sponsor complained that it was taking up two car rides right. to listen to our show. So trying we're trying to get, to get it in, in tight car ride. And we got a lot of stuff to do. So let's end it today. We're going to see you all next week for the big Okanagan show. And uh, until then, I'm Pete Van Dyke with my band leader, Mike Bow and my bartender, Paul Van Dyke, saying, uh, see you NT. See you next Thursday. Oh! <laughs> New sign-off, eh? <laughs> I 
<laughs> I'll have myself to sleep about that pussy juice mustache joke. <laughs> that was great. Uh.